Today I want to start with a special note. And just to be clear, this is only my personal opinion. These words comes only and exclusively from Stefano, aka Calamaro. The music that you are listening comes from a mixtape produced by a Ukrainian label called Shasha Z. They put together this mixtape using music tracks coming from Ukrainian artists. And they did it because they want to cheer up their people that at the moment are getting shelters from bombs or escaping in another country or going on the street fighting for their own freedom. I don't want to generalize here. I know that this is not coming from Russian people, but from a violent regime. And I stand together with people that are suffering from this situation and from this senseless thing called war. I strongly believe that anybody who attacks somebody else with violence, killing people, destroying houses and families, and kidnapping the freedom of other people should not exist in this world. Now let's get back to the normal program. But this music will stay until this nonsense will stop. Hello everybody and welcome to Brubagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. Yes, the heart is heavy today because you all know what's happening all around in Europe. But I'm not gonna keep on this conversation right now. There's gonna be another time and there's gonna be a personal conversation about that. So pick me up if you want to listen about my opinion on that. On the other side, there is plenty of super nice news outlets podcasts. I can just mention, for example, the New York Times Daily is just awesome. A lot of super nice journalists are there in Ukraine talking about that. Or if you are Italian, I would really recommend you to listen to stories. Cecilia Sala, an Italian journalist, is now in Ukraine telling stories about people that have been attacked in Ukraine. Let's move on then. We're going to talk about cycling and we're going to talk about inclusivity in cycling and I think that that's a great topic especially in the situation where we are at the moment let's move on so just remember that you can contact me of course calamaro cc is my instagram account and it's the best way to talk to me about stuff or you know that I don't know I don't want to do so much promotion today but you know what you mean, right? Down here, there are some links if you want just to follow, to support the causes, the causes that I support and support my podcast. You know what to do. Just click on the link. And also, thanks a lot for coming to support this podcast also um, in all this season, in this season, better, in this season. So if you want to have your um, free region, extra free region, the Komoot account, just go on komoot.com slash G and... Uh, write the code broom let's move on i met amanda and kathy in uh, switzerland at grain duro it was super amazing i was just up to a super amazing climb and they found i think it was the party train that's how it was called sitting all together together with some friends of mine Ristos, and then there was also andre and then there was a lot of people there and they called me in and they said come over just drink a beer with us and that's what they did then we had a chitty chat a small talk and everything like that then they took off on the field in their in some downhills that are not exactly my cup of tea but then we talked again i saw that they were launching a video they were part of the flashpoint movement and that's what happens we put everything together we met 
in for me i think it was a tuesday evening for them was a tuesday morning and we chat about their projects their life how gravel and road and mountain bike look like and especially what's the flashpoint movement a movement that helps everybody to be represented let's put it in this way represented into cycling and that's amazing inclusion is what we like listen to the episode i will talk to you at the end for the last things and tidying up stuff. I will not be sincere if I would say that I'm actually today just started talking and that the kickoff of this conversation took just a couple of minutes to explain the, a couple of technicalities. Well, actually, I think that, what do you think actually uh, over there? How much have, be, have been we talking about shitty chatting and stuff before kicking off the conversation? I think it's nice to like do the intro and chit chat like three, four minutes, and then people kind of get drawn in because we're not talking about anything too crazy yet. We're just like... Yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. <laughs> Feels more personal. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, it's very great, I believe. But anyways, it was, I don't know, we actually linked in in this conversation around uh, hmm, 20 minutes ago. So it has been 20 minutes or of nice chatting of, uh, chatting of records of something that you all, they are people... We'll never know, probably. Or probably they will know it because we're going to talk about the same things actually in a couple of minutes. Hmm. Could be, could be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you want to talk about, Amanda? <laughs> let's see. Let's Everything. See. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty, uh, maybe let's do a round of presentations. So, you know, I think that people know me already, but who's on the other side of the phone? Actually, I have Kathy and Amanda, and probably I will let yourself introducing yourself. Otherwise, I'm going to call you by your name. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes of pronunciation and all these kind of things. So you start the round. Kathy, you can take it away first. I was going to just say, if if we all introduce each other, we could all mess each other's names up. <laughs> right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I'll then do it in this way. Uh, Kathy, we'll start saying my name. <clears throat> you want me to introduce you, Stefano? Yes, yes, yes. Ste <laughs> okay, exactly. Uh, Stefano is exactly Hi, my name. I'm Kathy Kerr, and I'm on Stefano Nucera's Broom Wagon um, <laughs> podcast. Yeah, Broom so, Wagon um, podcast is perfect, but I love actually how you pronounce my name as your name. So I can... Uh, <laughs> So I can probably pronounce, but that's an easy one. No, you said it already. No, I'm going to actually pronounce the name and surname of uh, Amanda Sharper, Shaper, Shaper. Shaper. Amanda Shaper, Shaper. Yes. exactly. Good Amanda Shaper. <laughs> that, but that's the easy <laughs> task for you, Amanda. You have to introduce the other guest. I have to introduce the one and only legendary Kathy Pruitt. <laughs> well, Perfect. <laughs> well, on, the, on, the, on the podcast here today, we have a former downhill junior world champion who is now a gravel racing extraordinaire out there tackling some of the longest, hardest gravel races there are. And she's doing it with ease and style. Three decades. Kathy Pruitt, everybody. <laughs> I guess I, you're not a former. You're still a world champion. But you were, what was it, 2009, right? No, no. Because to be a junior, you have to be under 18. So I was in high school still. Um, and that was 2000. 2000. So I've been, and then before that, motocross. So I always say I've been racing for three decades. <laughs> yeah, grew up on two wheels, right? You were racing motocross as like a five-year-old? Yeah, from um, before I could pedal a bike, I saw my sister racing. So I had a little um, 
peewee and you just do this, you know, to go forward. Mm-hmm. And I figured that out sooner than a bike because you have to like pedal on the bike and it, you know, you like wobble. And, um, then when I was 12, my dad put me in the pro class because the men were so sketchy to race with. On the- <laughs> so yeah, it's been two wheels my whole life. But yeah. are you still riding your... Kathy's- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, oh, go ahead. No, 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 do it. I was going to say, I think Kathy's path is just so interesting because it's kind of opposite how a lot of other people come to gravel. You know, you see a lot of former road pros and whatnot making the switch to gravel, which makes sense because it's similar it's endurance it's drop bar bikes it kind of has the same feel but to come from racing motocross and downhill and make the switch to gravel i just think it's so cool because a downhill race is what two minutes and now she's doing races that are like 12 hours so it's it's just a pretty cool switch to make compared to some of the other paths that bring people into gravel yeah i think that it's one of those things that um like I was thinking of Jamie Bestwick. He's another person who's doing gravel. He's a BMX legend. Um, you know, Andrew um, Jackson, our former yeah. Flashpoint friend. And uh, I think you just get interested in other forms of cycling and that you are passionate about trying to be good at it. You have like a sense of stubbornness that propels you through, even though it's totally different than what you did. Yeah. Yeah, that's very yeah. great. Um, before I actually let probably Kathy then introduce you, Amanda, because then you're actually missing up the thing. Just want to ask you a little ah. thing super quick to Kathy. And is still some motocross in your life or is only gravel cycling for now? That's funny that you ask because next week I'm actually heading up to where my parents lived with my sister to go get both the motorcycles that he's had up there. Um He's 82 and he can't start them anymore. So we're going to have them again. And I'm hoping that at least myself will be able to get out to like Hollister Hills, which is a like a moto park. And um, I prefer riding on track, like laps, but that's more of a trails area. So that could be fun too. Should be amazing. Send us some pictures. Show us how are you, I don't know, shredding it still. I would love to, especially while I still have this opportunity with Flashpoint to do something with the motorcycle because that would just be one more aspect to bring like something into gravel that's different. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's still something fun though. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's really fun. It's so fun. It's like, that's why e-bikes are so popular. Absolutely. You know what, just, you know what I can say actually that for me, so I don't know now out there, especially here in Switzerland, there is a lot of advertising around e-bikes, especially the one, how do you call it? Speed e-bike, the one that are 28 miles per hour, 45 kilometers per hour, the really fast one. And uh, for me, it's too much. I cannot go on a bike on 45 k's per hour for most of the time. It's really too much. So if I would have taken one of those, would have been something like a classic one to take 25 kilometers per hour. But really, 45 k's per hour? Nah, too fast. I'm really scared when I'm going downhill at that speed. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's the thing is that you have to be able to control the bikes. And usually to go that fast on a mountain bike, you like learn how to do it slowly. You don't just all of a sudden start going that fast. <laughs> and so the trails like we saw in Santa Cruz last week, remember the guy who was on the fire road past the water tanks and he's like, asked <sighs> everybody didn't even yeah. look up to say anything. Wow. Yep. This sounds scary. Yeah. So yeah, we're still missing on the round a little presentation of Amanda. So Kathy, do you think you can do it? I think I can. I'm probably going to just try to, in a short sentence, explain 
that she's the local leg legend of Santa Cruz, that she <laughs> is the event master for <laughs> Grind Girl. And basically, I would say, I don't know, she's like embodies the the fun mountain bike vibe of Santa Cruz. Okay. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> I don't know. Those are the that came to mind. I, if you want me to say something different, please tell me. I think, yeah, like, like Kathy said, my my attitude when it comes to bikes is to always try to just keep it fun. I've always, I've been a racer for a long time, but it's always been um, a recreational thing for me. I've never had a full-time pro career. I've always balanced racing with also having a full-time job in the bike industry. So for me, it's been something that I enjoy for the community aspect and you know, just like having something that can push me physically and whatnot. Um, but I think, like like I mentioned, the community aspect is really what drew me to racing and bikes in the first place is when I started riding, I kind of found myself in this whole new family of people and it just sucked me in. And it, you know, at the time I worked as an environmental planner in a completely different industry. And I ended up changing my career shortly after starting riding. And I've been now Riding since, oof, gosh, for almost, I've been racing for a little over, I guess, 16 or 17 years now, and um, been working in the industry since 2010. Uh, so bikes, bikes really did change my life and send me on a totally different track. And so now these days, I do a lot of gravel riding and racing. I've, I've done, I ride on the road a lot, but all, any competition I do is on the dirt because that's where the real fun is. In my opinion, <laughs> I can completely well, see this you point. And, you and Scott are like the craziest tandem mountain bikers. Yes, yeah, so I've <laughs> seen ride the stuff you guys ride. <laughs> yeah, we've been known to take the tandem in some questionable places. <laughs> yeah, like Amanda's like way up here, and Scott's like doing this this like jump down a rock, and she's like, "Whoa!" Like just oh wow yeah we have a, a really fun a custom it's called a rock lobster i don't know if you're familiar with that, that absolutely builder. not it's a it's an amazing builder out of uh, santa cruz and so he built us this crazy aluminum mountain bike tandem that we've used in a number of gravel events we've raced it at grinduro california and a hundred mile gravel race in northern california and the Downeyville Classic, which is a pretty aggressive cross-country mountain bike race. Yeah, so we've, we've, we've pushed the limits of that bike, but it hasn't broken yet. So we're, we're still testing out how far we can take it. I'm going to knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen people do crazier things. Like There's another couple in Santa Cruz that has this crazy full suspension tandem that they take to like the China Peak Enduro and all like North Star Enduro. And they're both in full face helmets, just like rallying down these crazy technical rocky sections and i'm like that just i know what it feels like to be on the back of a tandem and i don't think that would feel very good for me <laughs> but ours is a hard tail so it's a little different yes yeah, never enough yeah. though <laughs> yeah i admire that i don't think i could sit on the back <laughs> you are completely out, out of control right so you are there you're actually following the person in front who is driving yeah exactly and it's a little bit, you have to kind of do things opposite when you're on the, when you're a stoker on the tandem, you have to do things differently than you would do riding your own bike. So like on your own bike, when you're going around turns, you're really leaning and stuff and you're putting your kind of body weight into the bike to help move it and control it. But on the back of the tandem, I have to stay really like centered and neutral. Cause if I start leaning, 
it really like whips the bike around differently. So you have to kind of like turn off that part of your mountain bike brain to just like stay centered and not try to put your own body English on it. I don't know. Sounds tricky, but also a lot of fun. I have a question for you, Amanda. Has Scott ever been able to be in the back so that you could see what it's like? We, we, We did cruise around a little bit on like when we first started riding tandems, just kind of around the neighborhood on the front. It's hard, like, it's hard when you're the captain and you have someone like bigger and, and heavier in the back, just because the strength it takes to control the bike and like hold it up is hard. So I just had a hard time like keeping yeah. the bike stable. That's why you always like, you typically when you see a guy and a gal on a bike, typically the guys in the front and the girls in the back, that's not like a you know, yeah. sexist thing, the guy's a better mountain biker or something. Like whenever you have a tandem, you always want to just have the heavier rider in the front and the lighter rider in the back. Maybe we'll have to change that as uh, my weight goes up a little bit in the next few weeks, months. My only experience with a tandem bike was in Portland on like a borrowed tandem. I think like we were just riding around the city. My friend Kelly, she's taller than me, but I think she's lighter, but her knees kept hitting the seat the handlebars in the back so she had to be the one in front because I'm shorter so I fit in the back and she was hilarious because she couldn't start you know because it's so heavy to get going and I'd be like coaching her from the back (laughs) yeah (laughs) sounds fun as well it's funny I'm thinking about everybody listening to the podcast the thing that you're missing out on is seeing all of our like hand motions because we're looking at each other on on video right now so you're missing all of our like when you ride like this and you're turning it like this you don't get to see our like shaking and and wild kind of biker dance moves that we're doing on screen a real mountain biker biker would know what this means Right. Yeah, but they will never understand how scary it was when you explain uh, Scott was here and then the gap was here. And you... <laughs> this was fun. Use though. your imagination. <laughs> Look at photos of them. I'm sure there's some out there. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we can make the moves with the hands quite a lot and then we can understand. No, but tandem, really. I, I remember I was in Kyrgyzstan for the Silk Road Monte Race. I was, anyways, doing this. I was not doing this. So I was recording and not pedaling. And uh, I remember that there was uh, this pair and they are, Shona is her name. I'm really bad because I don't remember any name, but they have a shop also in Manchester. Pretty nice shop, only adventure cycling and blah, blah, blah. And they were actually doing the Silk Road Monte Race in a tandem. And Mm. this was really ultra endurance race of... uh, solid 12 days on a tandem this was something like okay and then actually i met them they could not finish because shona had an accident i think it was not oh. an accident on the bike but a stupid accident in uh, something like in one of the guest rooms where they were sleeping for one night something like she dead on uh, the door or whatever like that and so actually she could not continue but actually they were keen next time on the Silk Road Monte Race to do it again with the tandem because yeah, it's fun. But the finish actually the Silk Road Monte Race the first time with two different bikes. This was actually the second edition. And then also the Atlas Monte Race into different onto different bikes. So they're kind of a pro on that. But seeing them on the tandem was ace. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. No, this is super great. Um did we talk already about it? Or probably we can add something else. When was your first experience or how bicycle got into your life you amanda sure 
My so you know, as a kid, I I knew how to ride a bike, you know, like like most kids do. But I didn't really get into riding a bike as like a part of my life until I was about twenty years old. So I got into riding a little bit later in life. And my story is the super stereotypical one of I was dating a guy who was a big time mountain biker. And of course, he wanted to turn me into a mountain biker, too. So got me a bike and dealt with all the trail side meltdowns of me being terrified as I was trying to figure out how to ride a mountain bike downhill. Um, but somehow it the, the bike stuck and the relationship didn't. So I started riding and racing and then the rest is history. So I was I was 20. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Colin, for changing my life. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks as well, actually. I can say thanks also for my life. That's why we are here talking today, listening to all these amazing stories about tandem off-roads. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and my the thing I got into first was cross-country mountain bike racing. And then shortly after that, I got into cyclocross. And then, of course, gravel followed cyclocross. And now I still do a, a mix of, of all three. Amanda. Did you have bar ends? I did not have bar ends. Dang, I did. How did you not? I guess I'm a dork. I think I was maybe just a little bit after the bar end Aww. phase. I okay. don't know. Sometimes they seem like a good idea. I think about them on the tandem. They'd be pretty comfortable sometimes. True. But yeah. that, that's how I got into bikes. That's great. What about you, Kathy? So uh, we saw, we got to understand that actually your first love was for two wheels, but with a bit more faster let's say than a normal bike it was a motorcycle but then how oh, what happened actually at a certain point you wanted to slow down but no because actually you were into downhill <laughs> mountain bike is probably faster than a than a motorcycle there that's ironic right um i'll tell you why it's ironic because my um family we all raced motorcycles like my mom taught my sister my sister and I are about nine, 10 years apart. So I obviously, you know, she was off to the races and things when I was like three years old. Um, I'd watch her and she's my role model to be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Look, look at that. Like, so cool. And um, eventually she had a couple of injuries that then I sort of started to have some too. Um, and, and my parents didn't want me to go through down that road, that path of knee injuries and stuff. So they decided that it would be better if I just didn't have motorcycles in my life. And then my dad had offered to buy a cross-country mountain bike um, so I could ride to track practice. Um, and then I think from that point, it was like three months later that I, that I found out there was like a cross-country race um, not too far from here in the Bay Area. And I went there. And I, I lost my two water bottles, like, the first descent. They just boop, boop. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this is really tiring. Like, everybody's so serious. Like, no one's talking. It's like, just, you know, as a super young teenager, I was just, like, thrust into this totally different, like, lycra-wearing world for motocross. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't quite feel like it fit in. Um, I was strong. But anyway, uh, in the parking lot, I saw, or I saw downhill bikes with people with full-face helmets getting into a truck with like the wooden sides they were like loading them, you know, like with the front wheel over them. I'm like, what are they doing? Why are they all packed into this truck? And I remember going to the local bike shop and asking this girl, Chris, who had sold my dad the bike, like, what's up with that? And I then went to a downhill race that fall in Donner Ski Ranch, which is in Tahoe. And I 
totally fell in love with racing down a hill fast. <laughs> and that was nine, 1996, like the fall of 1996. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And the rest, <laughs> as we we're saying, actually then. Uh, yeah. Then like very quickly, it was a year later, I was at world championships as a junior racer and downhill for the U.S. Uh, my first year going was 1998, I think. Kind <laughs> Maybe of. Maybe 99. <laughs> I might have been too young. I think you needed to be like at least 15 or something to go. Okay. So anyway, I went to world championships in Sweden in 99 and I got second at world championships as a junior female. And at the time at us junior females were very hard to come by. So um, I got a lot of support, which was great. And then the next year I won junior world championships in Spain, oh, wow. Sierra Nevada, Spain. Mm -hmm which was super cool, really fast course. It was the same place Miles Rockwell won. And then our, our junior cross-country rider um, also won. So it was really fun to celebrate with everybody. And I graduated high school a year after that. And then, um, yeah, I just started to make it a career um, for a very long time. I would live overseas because it was cheaper. I would have, like, a, I was a worked at a flower farm in Australia so I could pay rent. Cool. I worked as a cave guide in Tasmania. Wow. I lived in South Africa and I just would try to stay with people and train. <laughs> uh, I tried to escape winter in Northern California because where I grew up, it's snowy there mm -hmm. in Tahoe. So um, yeah, I just sort of made it all work out <laughs> and luckily got enough support from everybody throughout my career that um you know, now I'm actually working with them racing drop bar bikes in Lycra again because oh. of bikes back then we used to wear skin suits <laughs> when we raced. And now I'm in skin suits again. <laughs> <laughs> That's super great. I don't know. Actually, I have a couple of thousands of questions on this topic. Let's go really quickly on a couple of those. So the both of you have, anyways, experience between let's say, a bit cross between mountain bike and gravel bikes. And actually, I think that you have also a bit of experience. And then, uh, of course, uh, cyclocross and everything. But for sure, you have also some experience of road cycling. Well, but is it true that actually talking about celebrations and talking about also the attitude, maybe, I don't know, cross-country, they're also pretty serious. But talking about celebration, talking about, um, uh, I don't know, partying and also attitude and smiling or whatever, it, the more you go on some tires that are a bit chubbier, so a bit more fat tires, the more people are a bit relaxed and loose and have an attitude that is a bit more relaxed in the racing, in the celebration, having a better parties and stuff. Because usually, I don't know, I have the kind of feeling that roadies are a bit boring. Not to be judgmental. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you said it, not us. <laughs> I did it. I did it. It's Stefano here. It's Stefano here saying that. Um, I, I don't, you know, blame the endurance sports athletes for not having the more fun, um, lighthearted lifestyle. I mean, it's it's very, very hard sport to be an endurance athlete. and the reason I think you just, you don't have those extra, like, you know, you, you can't lose out on sleep. You, you can't be drinking all the time. You have to eat your vegetables. I mean, you have to stretch, you have to do all these things because you're pushing your body to the limit. Whereas in extreme sports, like action, extreme sports, like motocross or BMX or freestyle or motocross or downhill racing, it is, you are pushing your body to the limit. 
but it's more of your mind that is pushing yourself. So, you know, it's not that it's less physical. I, I was in great shape when I raced downhill bikes. I worked out three times a day doing different things and I was, you know, great shape. Um, but you're, it's not as important to have to do all those other things like sleep nine hours a night and eat your vegetables and take supplements and things like that. I think it is becoming more like that though. Now that it's becoming more competitive and there's more money in uh, action sports, I think it will see it sort of shift away from what it was like in the nineties. <laughs> okay. I do have some very crazy memories of seeing some parties happen at world cups, but the cross country athletes definitely partook. From time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it depends too, of course, at like the, um, you know, like the, the recreational like more amateur athletes versus the pro athletes that like Kathy said, they really are paying attention to their sleep and their veggies and their supplements where I think the gravel racers at the amateur level can rival any mountain biker in terms of partying ability. I've seen it. So <laughs> during the race too, tell me how many downhillers stop in the middle of their run to have a couple beers before they keep going. That Definitely not. <laughs> Actually at the um, rock cobbler this last weekend in Bakersfield, California, it was the ninth annual one. There was like three different beer hand ups. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I told the guy, I was like, no, you should give it to somebody else, you know? And at the time I was like, he's probably, I'm not even going to look at him. Cause I know he's like, eh. <laughs> she's so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah. yeah. But I knew Mariah and Pete weren't going to have beer. It's like, you know, you can't. You can't if you're that level. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I oh mean, yeah, kind of everyone is. <laughs> I'm referring exactly to the to the last time that we were riding together, Grandour, and actually that's what we did, right? We stopped in the middle of the ride to get a couple of beers in front of an amazing view. Because yeah. we were not in a time section, right? I was going to say Grandour is special for that reason that the whole <laughs> ride isn't timed, so you get those opportunities to to hang out, and it's also super cool because, like, how often? I mean, I know Kathy was injured at that race, so she was riding a little bit differently, but still. How often in a gravel race do I actually get the chance to ride with Kathy? Normally we're at two completely points in the race. Like she's off in the front and I'm like mid-pack having a good time. <laughs> but so I still it's, it's, Yeah, so it's, it's cool like at an event like Grinduro that we do all get the chance to like not only have a beer together, but to get yeah. to ride alongside some of your heroes too. No, that's true. That's true. It was a really, it was a really unique experience, um, not only because I was on the grail on which i've never ridden an e-bike but it allowed me to be able to ride with my friends with that injury so yeah. that was super special what was your injury there i didn't know that i didn't notice that have you yeah. noticed that you had an e-bike also because you were anyways in front of me because you're super fast in the downhill while i was breaking so yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you didn't no, notice no, no. i was a little embarrassed because i was on this e-bike like <laughs> just passing people on climbs um and uh, anyway, I had I had a knee injury that came on from a misalignment of just putting my cleat kind of in a oh, bad spot. Wow. I didn't know any better. I have a coach and he thought everything looked fine. And, you know, it just came on literally overnight and my knee blew up, like as in it swelled up so much that, you know, there was obviously something really bad going on. So it took like eight months really for it to fully get better. Wow. Um, Last June, the end of June was when it got hurt. So it, and now the last almost two months I've been pain-free and it's been great. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> and so 
yeah, I haven't really been talking about it because I'm like, oh, that was like so last year. I'm like trying to forget about no. it. Um, but yeah, that, that that was why I was on the the Grail on, which was super cool. Canyon could bring that e bike for me, and I love it. And like I was saying, it was so cool to be able to ride with Amanda and Nehemiah, Dane, and all of you guys. Otherwise, I would have had to just hang out at the venue, <laughs> twiddling to my thumbs. No, yeah, it was uh, it was a great event. It was a great thing. No, but actually, really, last couple of words about partying and everything like this. I'm just telling you, actually, I wanted to ask you this question because actually my idea of, let's say, the gravel side, I was always actually into gravel because for me, it's really an attitude, going slow, taking it easy, uh, exploring more than racing and everything like that. But actually, at a certain point of my life, in my evolution of, let's say, the evolution of thoughts, growing these thoughts was actually over and over. It was actually the idea that for me, uh, somebody put out there and put shared a lot this concept of gravel riding just for an excuse to let also Rodi enjoy and party and take it easy. Otherwise, people on the road, they're always looking for uh, the PR and this and that. On the other side, amateur cyclists, they can also say, oh, okay, you know what? They can also take it easy. So actually, that's, that's why the question. You are right. I was going to just follow up with what you just said. You are right that when you're on the road, I mean, you're kind of like competing with the cars and they're yeah. always near you. And it's a little mentally like exhausting, if, depending on the traffic situation. And also, it's not often that you're going to just stop on the side of the road on your road bike and like have someone else stop and like start chatting. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. It's very like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this loop. And I'm going to come back. And if I see anybody, probably going to pass them or something like, right. Gravel bike, you know, I ride to the gravel trails here. That's most people do from their house. Um, you are commuting on the pavement and then you get to the dirt and it's like, <laughs> yeah. and you know people stop on the trail and you do talk it's just a different mentality completely and people are like happy to see you you know and you can stop and have a snack and there's not like diesel trucks flying by you <laughs> all that stuff yeah, so that's really great no no i can completely understand what you what you mean and then yeah you're right usually also the road by what it is itself so full of cars can put you in a bit of stress. And this stress, fortunately, is actually released when you are a bit more in the dirt. And that's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the last question, and then we are going to go directly to the core of the topic. I'm sorry for that. I'm going to do a couple of digressions. Um, I didn't actually follow. I didn't know if you were also at the um, Cyclocross World Championship in Fayetteville. Were you there? I was okay. There. Okay. No. Yeah, because I saw no. also there a lot of huge and great parties putting on and seems like everybody. I was reading about a couple of interviews also on the on the pros being there and stuff. Everybody said that probably it was a good amount of time that a show, of course, we are talking about Corona times as well. Sorry, um, sorry, I didn't want to mention that, but just a little, a little heads up all the time that I mention Corona or you as my guest mention Corona. Usually, I drop <laughs> a coin in my COVID jar uh, because I know we don't really want to talk too much about coronavirus and COVID and stuff. But some from time to time, you need yeah. to put it into a contest of stuff, and because we are tired of that. But on the other side, there are a lot of positive things that we have to talk about about that. But anyways, all the time that I'm naming it. 
I drop a coin into my COVID jar. And then at the end of the season, I'm going to actually give everything to a charity. They are in Berlin. Shout out to them. It's called Baikigi. Uh, and they're basically um, teaching women, refugee women, to learn how to go on a bike. So there are a lot of... Um, yeah, it's in Berlin. It's based in Berlin. So there are a lot of Afghani or Syrian refugees that actually live there and a lot of women there because of course of whatever happens in their country they are not allowed to ride a bike and so they never learn and actually the core of the charity is to bring them on the bike and unlock a bit of freedom for them so yeah you know that when you are mentioning corona and dropping a coin there and we are going to go and everything is going to go to a good cause back to the point uh, there is corona coin in uh, time that was there but actually I read about a lot of people that were really way looking forward for an event like this in the US in the cyclocross and it was long time that let's say they were not seeing uh, a, a lot of people like there celebration like that and some parties like that everybody was super stoked by that and that's super cool actually that this could happen finally a world championship cyclocross not in the classic Europe, but actually also in the US. And uh, there were all these nice vibes over there. I just saw a friend of mine I raced with last weekend. She was there um, and she said it was really cool. And it would have been, been a little cooler if um, it was muddy. That's true. But she said, she said it was a really cool vibe. And Bentonville itself is like such a bike mm -hmm. town, believe it or not, in Arkansas. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of hard not to have a good time with you know, that environment, that's for sure. No, yeah, this, that's super great. That's super crazy. And also because I think that cyclocrossing itself as a core or whatever being anyways, a short effort and everything, but especially because it was born really in the crowd in Belgium and stuff with super good vibes, it's really difficult. And also because it's everything in a circuit, so you can really hang out a lot with people, with riders, everybody's super open. It's really great vibes, I think, to take part to an event like this. So yeah, it was super nice okay. to see that. Let's go. Amanda, were you going to say something? I was just going to say it would have been great to be there, but unfortunately wasn't able to make the trip this year. But it's the, yeah, the second time U.S. has had Cyclocross Worlds, which has been fun. I've been to a number of national mm -hmm. championships, as has Kathy, and she's even won one herself. Um, I don't think we mentioned that early. She's also yeah. a Cyclocross national champion, oh, wow. single speed. So she's got that on her list of, of achievements, too. But yeah, cyclocross is is a really special sport. It's got a lot of the same positive vibes that gravel does. You know, it's it's a sport that's fun no matter if you're winning the pro race or if you're coming in last place in the C race. You know, it's like it's so contained that even if you're losing your race, you still have all these people cheering for you. And it's super family friendly. You can have kids running around the course. If you get a flat or your bike breaks or something, you're not stranded. 50 miles from the start line. So it just makes it, it takes a lot of that intimidation factor out. And so I think cyclocross is, is a really cool, like fun way to get into to riding and racing too. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's a super great place to start as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very inviting and I feel like on to our next topic, I think we're going to start talking about. I think it's a, it's a great place for somebody who wants to make friends, feel like they're part of a community, um, probably see some diversity um, because it is a sport that's been around a long time. So people have from all walks of life have 
entered it and made it part of their lifestyle. And um, again, yeah, like you said, if you're doing laps. So if you want to stop, you can stop. <laughs> yeah, it's the easiest. Yeah, uh, perfect. Actually, thanks for uh, the introduction to the new topic. So probably before asking the the sharp question on how do you see the situation at the moment, I would really would love to know a bit more about the project that actually brought us here together today, that is the Flashpoint Movement. Is the right name? Yes. Flashpoint Movement. Tell me more about everything started. Wait, wait. Here it is. Uh, <laughs> this is the time then for a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> I need a picture. It's right here. Kathy's holding up her fanny pack with the Flashpoint logo <laughs> patch on it. I'll, I'll narrate all the, the physical yeah. things that are happening on That's the screen. True. <laughs> I just came from the gym, you know. Yeah, she's showing us her training log. Looks like she did some real heavy lifting today, getting swole in the gym. <laughs> um, no, but Flashpoint. So Flashpoint started um, with Jiro and the core riders on the team. Really, like we we really wanted to start a gravel program. Like we wanted to do something in the gravel space, just because it's it's such a fun discipline that lends itself to being so inclusive and so welcoming. But we didn't want to start like a typical like gravel pro team that you're seeing more of where everyone shows up in matching kits and it's kind of bringing the pro road team vibe to gravel races because gravel is is different than that and the crew at Giro that we're working with um that kind of had the original idea from the team they've all been in the gravel world for a long time and so we wanted to keep that authentic authenticity of what gravel is and so that's why we have riders that are all like so different from each other. We're not all trying to win pro races. You know, we've got Kathy who's trying to win at that level. And then Nehemiah and I are doing something totally different, racing more in our, in our age groups. Like sometimes we might try to dabble in a pro race, but for us, it's more about balancing racing with um, other things that we do in our life. And it's really about trying to welcome new people into the sport and then now having Rachel on the team as well. That's awesome because she is a, a newer rider with, with big ambitions. So it's cool to bring in somebody who's newer to the scene, but like really wanting to take it and run with it. So we've got four people that are all kind of approaching riding and racing in such a different way. But the thing that we all have in common is this desire to keep gravel and bikes in general, like super fun, super positive, and make the bike community more welcoming to everybody, like all different types of people. So that's our goal on Flashpoint is to use what we do in the bike world to make it more accessible and welcoming to other people. Well, that's a mic drop, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know if I want to ask you a follow-up or whatever, but actually, uh, tell me more, Kathy. No, tell me more. Oh, she, Amanda does such a lovely job at explaining the premise of Flashpoint and the feeling of it. Um, I just wanted to tell her good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, was not originally thinking I was going to be a part of a team or anything like that uh, going into last season. I just was trying to gather some sponsors and support enough to get me to some races, Juro being one of them. And, uh, they approached me and asked if I would like to be part of this thing. And I was like, what is this thing? What, what, what are we talking about? And so it was explained to me that we're all just coming at this from different angles and we're all going to sort of help represent all the things that people should see more of out there. 
And, you know, oftentimes um, media, it's not their fault, but they like to show the same thing over and over and over. And so then people think that represents the sport as a whole. Um, being a female in action sports for as long as I have, I can speak to the point of, I grew up thinking that nobody raced motocross that was a female and I never saw anybody doing anything kind of gnarly. I guess you could use that word um, or encouraging it. You know, luckily I had an older sister that, that did it. So I was like, I know that this is okay, but I feel like what I'm getting at here is that flashpoint is letting people be okay with being themselves and being in the sport, no matter what you look like, where you come from, especially what your background is because Flashpoint aims to show that there's really no wrong way to do it, but that you just need to take a step or I guess a pedal in this case. And that for me, um, kind of my mission is to always encourage people that you don't know if you can do it if you don't try, you know, and you also don't, it's like food. You don't know if you don't like it unless you try it. Um, and for me, that's, that's a big thing. I see so many women and men, just afraid of trying something because they feel like they don't look like the type of person that does that sport. They don't have the right gear. They don't have the right background. They're intimidated. They have a lot of excuses, you know, whatever they are. But then you hear them wanting to try to do things that might change their life. You know, Amanda and I have talked about how sports can change someone's life, literally transform a person's life. And I hope that ultimately, um, you know, some people are seeing that flashpoint movement can be the uh, conduit for changing people's lives yeah absolutely yeah yeah great it's really no it's really an amazing it puts together a lot of things that I actually really really strongly believe on and I'm super happy that it's somebody put it really voice to a lot of uh, people that have probably the same thoughts and stuff because yeah it's, there is this approach of the why not so let's try to do stuff and it's the, also this approach that we are all together it doesn't matter what's your gender what's your i don't know whatever what's your shape or doesn't matter just stay together and have fun together and that's exactly what we need to see more because this drives us to representation maybe a little thing that i i would like actually probably um to talk a little about katie you said something really uh perfect there that uh, you didn't see so many women taking part of uh, uh, action sports or doing something really uh, gnarly you said something like going down a downhill bike and stuff because there's not so much representation for sure it's not only about the media part but also because if the media doesn't just spot a light on that then people could not see that something can happen and then in this case okay i don't feel represented so it's it's a bit complex and that's exactly actually what i think flashpoint does and uh, that's really perfect and also showing to everybody how natural it is to take part to this event or to ride a bike in this case so yeah what do you think about that um so on to what i was commenting on just a minute ago and you really hit the point of what i was i guess trying to get across was that there are people doing these things. It's just that they're not being highlighted. They're not being talked about. The news isn't talking about it. Magazines aren't talking to them because they didn't, you know, they finished 30th. They didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or they don't look like maybe their writing style isn't great. So they're not in all the photos or whatever. Right. So people don't see them. Um, in flashpoint movement, we create content for a lot of our, our um, partners 
And then they then use that in their advertising and marketing materials and campaigns, which I hope is has I hope has been helping the public see different backgrounds and, and people um, in gravel specifically. Um, I know that's a big part of what we want to do, not just about what Amanda's passionate about changing uh, in the sport and what Nehemiah is doing and Rachel Parker's doing. Um, but when, yeah, you don't see somebody that looks like you or sounds like you or does what you do, you feel kind of like an outsider that you don't want to be a part of it. Right. And the biggest thing we can do that you just said was encourage people to try, be their friend, or at least be friendly and try and help. That could even just mean like showing them how to change a flat tire or when you pass someone on a trail, just stop. Like you don't even have to stop. Just ask if they're okay. You know, like that means so much if I'm stopped, even if I'm eating, if somebody just says, Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, not annoyed. I'm like, okay, cool. Cause you know, what if I fell? I want someone to yeah. help me. <laughs> but you feel like, you know, I know this word gets used a lot community, but you, people want to be part of a community where that's human nature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And in road people identify with road people, mountain bikers identify with mountain bikers and gravel and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. But why can't we all just coexist? It's like funny. It's a funny little thing, but gravel definitely, definitely like breaches both sides of the cycling. Cause I, you can be a road cyclist or mountain biker, or you can be a not biker at all. And you're just like, that looks cool. Um, someone the other day on a trail, this guy got out of his car and as I was pedaling away, he, I didn't know he was talking to me, but he said, is that a road bike or a mountain bike? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> it's the, it was the Canyon Grizzle. I was like, he was totally confused. Cause I had, like, yes, it's everything. <laughs> I had 45s on and I had like a frame bag and I was like pedaling off all fast, like on a single track trail. So he was like, huh? <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Anyway, I think I went off on a tangent there. I had too much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's um, that's super great. Maybe another question that I want to ask you. For sure, we uh, I can completely see from where everything started and what was the background around that actually made you make the Flashpoint movement start. But do you think that actually since where you started or anyways in general with all the activities that were kicked off there, do you think that actually the situation is improving or... Just the situation of like inclusivity and representation, you mean? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I think it's it's I think it's definitely continuing to improve because of not only the efforts that Flashpoint's making, but a number of people. You know, Flashpoint is it's called Flashpoint Movement for a reason. It's not meant to be just the four of us creating some big change. What we're hoping is that the things that we talk about and the things that we show will kind of spark that same um, motivation in other people to do whatever they can to also be more welcoming to others. And so I think in general, there's a movement that's starting to happen in the bike industry to get more representation and more diversity and more inclusion. There's certainly a long way to go still, but I do think that that's starting to improve. What do you think, Kathy? I yes, exactly. I was shaking my head yes, and I was hoping <laughs> you would answer that question because I know that that inclusivity and um, seeing uh, open gender categories at events is a, a huge thing that you've worked for, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I know that I feel like you would have a better gauge on it maybe than I have because you are doing uh, events and, and you're in that world. But even I was thinking an example of. 
why I think it's getting better is that we're just seeing more people who don't look like white men. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And no, no offense with white men, but, um, you know, I just wanted to, to say it very bluntly. Like we have to just see more people that mm-hmm. don't look the same. The conversation around diversity and inclusivity is finally starting to change. You know, the bike industry for a long time has asked ourselves, how do we get more women onto bikes? And that question has really been asking, how do we get more cis white women onto bikes? You know, and so now finally the conversation is expanding to include people of all colors, people of all genders, people of all sizes. You know, you've got Marley Blonsky yeah. doing amazing things with all bodies on bike, really promoting visibility of, of different body types. And so it's like really cool to see now opportunities given to all sorts of different cyclists to speak about the people that they're trying to represent and trying to get involved with the sport. So there's just been so many people out there making these same efforts and they're finally starting to get the visibility to make a, make a difference. They've been making a difference in their communities, but now they're getting to make a difference on a much bigger scale because brands are paying attention and giving a platform to these people to actually make a difference, you know, yeah, in a big capacity. There's a couple things while you were talking I wanted to let people know about that I think are huge markers of things changing that I've seen happen in the last couple of years. One of them being Nehemiah Brown, our Flashpoint friend, um, and Jiro. They, I think it was last spring, uh, near where Nehemiah lives in Marin County, there is a community that just really doesn't have access to bikes like we have, right? Or even helmets. So he went and worked with Juro to get a ton of helmets to kids wow. just so that if, you know, like that's the first like thing you need to have, you need to have a helmet so you can get on a bike. Right. So, but people don't even think like, how, how do we get people on bikes? How do we get more people? Well, they need equipment. So as a collective group of people, like look in your garage and see what you have spare that you could give somebody a pair of shoes or pedals a kit or something, anything that might be a barrier of entry. But I thought that was a really cool thing that he did with Jiro. And also um, the other one is that Canyon has been involved with, and I'm going to totally space on the name. It's a, it's a, it's a university and there's um, people of color on the team. And I, and I can't remember the name of the university, but Canyon has been a huge supporter. It happens to me all the time. Sorry, it. I was, uh, as if I was laughing. That it happens to me. I always forget names. If you go on the Canyon Instagram, you'll see the stories of it. But they've they've really been, you know, supplying bikes for people to actually have an opportunity when they get to an event. Because not only do you have to pay for the travel to an event, you need the bike, and then your bike needs to actually be like pretty good <laughs> to be competitive in college. And then you know you need to have a coach. All these things that um, I see our partners helping with. I'm sure that there's more, there's way more happening out there, but just the actual bike industry, um, like Juro and Canyon are getting involved with doing things like physically to help make change. Yeah. Not just like donating, not just donating money, which is also great too, but they're trying to actually make it easier for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And actually still by talking about something that is really close to my heart. And I think that probably there is... Um, uh, there is also some conversation starting there because in my opinion everything starts from uh, the body type i know that there is a huge conversation at the moment and i'm super glad that this is happening so uh, about actually how 
in general, that's something that I'm seeing most of the time, something like women can feel for something like women of different body size can feel on the bike and everything like that. But actually, I can say actually from my personal point of view, that also as a man, I can see, I would not say lack of representation. That's probably the perfect definition. All the time that you are seeing people that are riding the bike and men that are riding the bike, marketing, TV, videos, I'm not going to mention any YouTube channel, but basically if you're a roadie, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you can see only skinny, white, European, most of the time, dudes. And from time to time, it happens really to me, it affects myself so much and my psychology so much, I don't want to go too deep on that, but basically from time to time, I also put myself in my Lycra kit and then I watch myself on the mirror and I said, I cannot be a cyclist, I cannot go out on a bike with this body that I have, I am basically too fat for it. And then I, at a certain point, I mean, no way, because once I jump on the bike, I have fun. And who ma who cares on what you have on you, if it actually is a, a roadie, uh, yeah, a roadie kit, or it's actually just a pair of shorts and a t-shirts or whatever. I think that that's another thing that could be uh, easily unlocked by telling to everybody, if you want to go out and have fun and you want to do it in your skin suit, please go out and do it. If you want to do it as well in some loose jersey and stuff, please do it. If you want to do it with your goofy costume, please do it. The most important thing is not what you, how you look like, but just go out and have fun. And I think that that's actually, this is something that it was too put too much put on the extreme because of marketing. But actually, this is something that probably marketing is helping changing as well as much as possible with a lot of uh, people, brands, especially people that are trying to to show to everybody that the nice people to do when you're riding the bike is riding the bike and not only wearing the kit that fits the bike that you're riding. Yeah. I A couple of weeks ago, there's a local race series called Grasshopper and we were doing a race in Ukiah. It's like four hours north of here in the Bay Area. And there was this guy racing in a full-on unicorn. Yes. <laughs> like leggings, <laughs> helmet with the unicorn thing. And like the whole outfit, like I think his gloves were even like purple or something and like it looked like hooves. Yeah. <laughs> but he was he was one of the, like the fast people. <laughs> he did awesome. And it was just kind of fun to see him later. Um, just like lightens the mood, you know, when people kind of like let go of their inhibitions about what people care about. Like we all do this. Like you just said, we all like look at what we're wearing and we're like, OK, is that like it's look OK? Look okay, yeah. <laughs> but really, do you do you feel okay? Because if you feel okay in what you're wearing, that's really all that matters, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I told Amanda before I got on the call, I was like, "Hey, I just got back from the gym. I need to look presentable." And she said, <laughs> "Yeah, but sweaty's cool or something." I, I said, "Sweaty's sexy," but you know. And I, didn't want to <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, but I need to feel good." But I yeah. feel, you know. So back to what you just said, like you get on the bike, you feel good. You know, it doesn't really matter what you wear so long as you feel good about it. And, and that's what, yeah, pleasing people. <laughs> and that's what's so cool about gravel too is it's kind of the only discipline that doesn't really have its own like uniform. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like if you go to a downhill mountain bike race, you generally know what people are going to wear. And if you show up something, or you know, cross country or road, if you show up not wearing the kind of uniform, you really stand out. But at yeah. a gravel race, you'll have people in their, you know, pro logo team kits, people in the, you know, jorts and a Hawaiian shirt, 
people in, you know, capes and costumes and nobody looks out of place at all. And that's what's so cool is like you can just show up on whatever bike you have. If you don't have the latest, greatest carbon race bike, you're not going to stand out. You can still do the ride and have a great time. If you're not wearing Lycra, people just don't notice because it doesn't have that same like defined uniform kind of that all the other disciplines have. So I think that in itself makes it so much more just welcoming and accessible to people because they feel like they can show up and be themselves and they're, they fit into the kind of gravel community. I agree. I do want to also point out if you do have a matching kit and you have a bunch of logos, that's also very, that's fine. Totally. We're not telling you that you need to not be yourself, whatever that is. We're just also telling other people that they need, they don't need to have a matching kit. Yeah. That's like, I don't think, I don't think gravel is about, you know, like you're the people who are like taking it more chill and drinking beer or whatever that doesn't define gravel to me. Like gravel is cool because it can, you can do it however you want to do it. And that's the right way. If you're, if you really want to race and win, that's awesome. For the people who don't want to race and win, there's the opportunity for them to have a great day too. So it's it's the only discipline really that no matter how serious you want to take it or how hard you want to push yourself, there's a place for you in a gravel event. You're not going to get dropped off the back of the Peloton and have a horrible day. You know, it's yeah. it's so good no matter how how you're approaching it, whether it's like super serious training and racing, which I have, you know, like that's awesome. Or if it's like, this is the one big event I do of the year and I'm just going to take advantage of the aid stations and make a day of it. That's awesome. And you might do one approach one weekend and a different approach the next weekend. And it's, it's cool because it lets you do that. And sometimes at gravel races, there's animals like this one last weekend there was there was we were on private land that we were allowed to race Mm -hmm. through but there happened to be this very honorary bull on the course and he nailed like three people i think i saw the video of it i think i saw it on cycling tips he's crazy only in gravel racing only in gravel racing it was gnarly you ever see this happen so not only is it a super fun place to be, but I think that the events and the, the people who put on the events are helping this like vibe continue that Amanda was explaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's super great. And uh, I would say that probably we can put a headline there, something like gravel racing when where everything can happen. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly so. You can find a bull, you can find like, somebody actually dress up like a unicorn, somebody actually racing hard. Everything yeah. can happen. You know what's happening right now is that because the bull made the from the rock cobbler made so much headline news, the Oregon Gravel Grinder came out with um Instagram post that showed like a grizzly bear chasing somebody <laughs> on it. And then other race in um, Paso Robles, so just on the central coast, they made a post with like, they actually have like a Texas Longhorn pool, so it's like the huge one, and they made a post. It's like becoming a thing. All these events want to have like this animal that people are going to see on the coast. Yeah. I don't remember. Actually, I remember that some time ago I watched that video, I think it's on YouTube, that there was actually this road cyclist, and it was in South Africa, that was actually almost running actually there was this ostrich that was running against him something like, and they are fast 
<laughs> and yeah. suddenly like, there was this thing that yeah. was actually going, trying to catch him and chasing him from behind. Pretty scary. Dude, they're gnarly. Ostriches, have you ever seen their feet? Ah, yeah, of course. They have like spikes. They have the nails like, that are... A dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also in South Africa, if you guys are ever there and you're on your bike, stay away as far as you can from the baboons. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally wait till the car, the car comes and like go with the car past them. They are brutal. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> also there, if we want to talk anecdotes, there's a really good friend of mine. He now lives in Kyrgyzstan, I think, but uh, he lived all his life actually in South Africa. And he was telling me that from time to time they were going back home and they would find the bubbles inside of their of their apartments and just they were eating stuff directly from the fridge. Something like when you're coming out, coming back from a race, yeah. from a gravel race or whatever, and you're eating directly from the fridge, they were doing the same. So um, speaking of the Cape Epic, because we were talking yes. about it earlier, we got on here. Um, there's this woman who's my friend that I have not seen in ages, but her name's Anka Martin, and she's from there. Amanda knows who she is. She's awesome. Um, she's done it like whatever time that you get like the obligatory like thing. You've done it like eight times. She's a badass. But one of the first years that she ever did it, I was her partner. and. Her husband, Sven, I think, was the culprit. He left the window open in this little, like, rented Airbnb mm -hmm. or something at the time. And there was these metal bars on all the windows, so nobody thought that anything could get in. But we came back, and the couch was flipped over. There was, like, it looked like the craziest scene you've ever seen, right? There was, like, cereal in the shower there was powdered stuff from because we put kits to ride together every day and they took all her food and ate all her food. And somehow I had put my bag of food for the whole week just high enough up that they didn't see it. But the entire house, there was poop oh, everywhere. Damn it. <laughs> I've never seen, I mean, yeah, anyway, animals. It was fun though. And at least because of you, everybody of you had food for the full week. I did share. Yeah, I did share with. Anka because you know I had like dried meat and like all this food so I had plenty to share but I actually ended up getting like really gnarly heat exhaustion so okay. yeah I don't know maybe I'll go back today and try it but don't leave your windows no, open no 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 please <laughs> go there and remember every time that you go out just lock the window and I don't know well, yeah. blinders on yeah. don't let anybody get in ever yeah it's a beautiful country but still very it's super wild. wild yes mm. yes it's really really wild but yeah. interesting so yeah we need to try to understand what they are doing. I think that they are doing some gravel rides there as well. So probably could be a good thing just mm -hmm. to experience again the wildlife. <laughs> uh, I would try to encourage Amanda to go, but she can't go now for a while. Well, in a bit of time. One day. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, again on the flashpoint movement uh, uh, topic, just something that I want to ask you. I think that you already said something about it, but. Uh, actively, that's the way to say it. I was actually missing up with the pronunciation. Uh, actively, what's really any task that you're doing? You talked about uh, videos that you're doing and doing some amazing videos like the one that you actually produced for the Grand Duro Switzerland. By the way, it was amazing and uh, uh, really shout out for the part when you both were talking about how bicycle can change your life. 
there is a friend of mine that watched that video because I actually pushed him uh, to watch it and actually was there really sending me thank you I'm super happy that you you pushed me watching it it's super cool it really because bicycle this friend of mine shout out to Donato by the way really the bicycle changed his, uh, his life at a certain point but that's so true so basically this is the kind of things that you're pushing out going to events um producing some cool videos, social media, what else? So from, from my perspective, I'm using, so I'm the event director for Granduro, California. So I'm responsible for putting on that event, all the logistics and whatnot. And I'm really trying to use my role at that event to make our event as welcoming as possible um, and to try to really encourage diversity at the event. So a few of the things that I've helped put into place is adding the open gender category which I'm really happy to see is starting to become a bit more of a norm across multiple events. So not only did we add the open gender category to make the event more welcoming to trans and non-binary riders as well, we've also reserved 50% of the registration spots for the women in open gender categories to try to get more equal representation. Because um, any of us who've been to bike races know that typically women represent maybe maybe about 10% or so of the people there. So we're trying to use Grinduro to bring more women and more people of all genders to the event. We also added a paracycling, new paracycling oh. categories this year to try to bring in people of different physical abilities, which is really exciting. I worked with an amazing woman named Meg Fisher, who's been putting in a lot of efforts to work with many gravel events to make paracycling more of a, of a standard category that you could expect to see at bike races. And we also have 25 sponsored entries reserved for people from underrepresented communities. So we're using those to try to find people that we, you know, maybe can't afford to come to Grinduro or just haven't had the opportunity to come to the race and, and really invite them with these free entries to make the event more accessible to them. So those are some of the things that I've been working on. And I'll speak for Nehemiah, too, since he's not here. He's really passionate about using his place in cycling to bring new people into the sport. And so he asked us if we could help him provide a sponsored entry to every event that he goes to this year. He'd like to be able to bring somebody with him that can experience gravel racing for the first time. So he's trying to really you know, reach out to new people and help them get a spot when they might not be able to on their own for whatever reason. And Rachel, she, um, you know, Rachel Parker, new to the team this year, something that she is really passionate about is trying to dismantle oppression that she, that she says is embedded in bike racing. And so specifically some of the things she really wants to do is making racing more accessible to developing riders so they can just get a shot at racing at that higher level and striving for parity and pay and media for the women's pro peloton. Because typically, you know, the men's races are covered a lot more and maybe you'll see a little bit of the women's race, but not nearly as much. So she's trying to facilitate getting more equality at that level as well. So that's that's for those those three riders and I'll let Kathy... <laughs> I feel like I am surrounded by a bunch of superheroes and I'm over here like okay what am I doing and I'm like well but what you're doing is good too but what you guys do is like so awesome well part of Flashpoint though it's not part, part, of our, part of our message is that it's it's not just about 
you know, like I'm fortunate I have this position with Grindura where I can put in these real tan tangible changes. Mm -hmm. But what Kathy's doing that's so important is she is a pro racer taking it as seriously as every other pro racer, but she approaches it with such a positive attitude that she makes racing just seem so fun and so welcoming to people. So she's the one, when she's out on a training ride, she's not race facing you and acting better than you because she has a pro contract and she's, you know, training to win the next big gravel race. Like she's the one who's saying like, Hey, are you okay? When she sees someone stopped or saying like, Hey, like, that's so awesome that you cleared this technical section. If she sees someone working on something yeah. and those little moments make sometimes an even bigger difference than some of these like big efforts that some of us do because you're affecting people on a daily basis. And then those people will hopefully take that and be like, Oh, wow. Like, Kathy Pruitt was so like cool to me on the trail and then they'll be more inclined mm -hmm. to be cool to the next person that they see. So it's kind of like a more subtle, but even more important way of promoting inclusivity and welcomeness is just having that attitude that's fun and positive and thanks Amanda. And like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's real, you know, that's, that's why Kathy's so great is she's, she's a pro, but her attitude is that like smiling and having fun and keeping it light makes you faster because it, it keeps you in that headspace that's so positive and it makes it a fun community as well. I, I really appreciate all those nice words. <laughs> I wanted to add one thing that's been on the forefront of my mind since you asked this question and I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm like, you know what? My aim really, I think with any sport is really just to like, I love people proving people wrong or I like showing somebody that, like, oh, hey, check out that chick at the grocery store. Like, you know, I bet she doesn't do anything cool. It's like, well, you don't know that. You know, like there's so many, um, I don't even know the right word, but you look at somebody and you don't think that they're capable of something, mm -hmm. right? You just don't, right? And then they're totally a badass or they're like a crazy whatever, like so accomplished or they're an amazing, like they wrote like five books, you know, and I love to just really break through these, these, these walls that we kind of do to each other. And especially for me, I have a lot of passion for showing men that a woman can and will ride a bike better than them, than them most of the time. And that, that will then in turn, hopefully change this mentality that, Oh, you guys just go first. Like you're faster and I'm going to be back here, like taking it easy, being safe because I don't think I can do it. And I just want to see a little more fight with women and fight like as in standing up for themselves. You know, I've told Amanda in the past, I'm just as insecure as the next person, <laughs> you know, but you have to fight for like, if you think you can do something, you should try to do it. And especially if, if it means that we're going to start changing, like, I know this is like talking about society now, but I really think that's the best way to change society is like, we each do our little part and yeah, I will try to go way faster than all the guys on a trail just to have their reaction later when they're having beers. I won't hear it, but I guarantee they're probably talking with their friends about it. Like, Oh my God, did you see, like, I couldn't even catch her. You know, and I just think that has an impact. I don't know what it does. It just makes me feel like there's got to be a positive impact there, especially with females, um, to be encouraged to keep pushing and not be afraid because 
they don't think they're good enough at being better. Mm. Something like that. So yeah, no. I do that too. <laughs> no, it's super great. And I can tell you really, thanks a lot for these words. It's such a great, really, I don't know, something like open the window and breathe some good fresh air. Finally, somebody is talking about these cool initiatives and actually this kind of attitude. I don't know, it's uh, it's pretty perfect, it's pretty cool because otherwise we are all the time finding ourselves in the situation where, yeah, all the time the same thing and then nobody does so much or anything just to change things. But yeah, from time to time you just need to go out and do even just as much or as little as you can do. And this actually will change for sure the attitude of people or whatever is there. Exactly. Little little changes add up to big change. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's uh, that's super great. Oh, uh, I actually I think that I actually booked most of your morning already. So I just want to continue <laughs> with the last question, and is then people, then Kathy, then Amanda. What's next? Oh, what's next for Flashpoint? I would say for flashpoints would be the main topic, but you can go freestyle or okay. whatever. We talked we talked about wildlife five minutes ago, so we can talk about everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, now that Amanda's wrangled her vacuum, her robot vacuum. <laughs> Sorry, I had to run out to get my robot vacuum from. Could you go later? I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Um, now she's back in our conversation. I mean, there's so many directions that Flashpoint can go. There's so many directions that we can go. Um, for me personally, I have events scheduled where I'll be racing. Um, I have events scheduled uh, where I'm doing photo shoots. Hopefully I can come up with some cool content ideas and some, some um, things that will continue to change the image of cycling <laughs> through the Flashpoint partners. Um, hopefully within the next month, I'm going to be doing something like that cool. and, uh, trying to think what else here flashpoint. I think we're just going to continue to stay on our campaign of getting more people to join, um, to understand the vibe and to pass it along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can add on that. I'll say like, what's next for me personally and what's, what I think is next for flashpoint um, on the on the me personally side, like we've alluded to it a few times in this conversation, but haven't come straight out and said it. But I'm I'm expecting a baby in in August, so that's that's a pretty big what's next for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I'm hoping. I mean, I've been a, I'm at almost I'm a little over 15 weeks right now, and luckily I've been able to keep riding and generally keep up my my normal life and. There are some women on social media who I follow, like Laura Cameron King and other gravel stars, one of them, Sonia Looney is another, who are both currently pregnant as well. And they've stayed so fit and so athletic throughout their pregnancy. And that's really inspiring to me because I think anybody who is physical and athletic gets nervous about the idea of, of getting pregnant because it, it completely changes your body. It completely changes everything and you worry about losing that kind of athletic side of yourself as you go through this but i've seen more and more women now who've really been able to do both and i'm hoping that throughout my pregnancy i'll also be able to set that example for others and and hopefully you know as long as my body safely will let me continue riding and participating in cycling throughout the next few months and into to motherhood um and so that that'll be kind of my big focus as well. Um, and then on the flashpoint side, 
as I mentioned earlier, you know, Flashpoint is a movement and movements are meant to be joined. So I think we'll continue working towards figuring out ways to engage other people with the work that we're trying to do, whether it's having like group rides at events or social mixers at Sea Otter, you know, whatever we can do to try to inspire other people to take on the attitude of making bikes more fun and more welcoming, because that's really what will make a difference. It's not the four of us that's going to make a difference. It's everybody kind of working towards the same thing together. Perfect. Mm -hmm. The last thing, actually, it was a lie before that the last thing was this one. I have really the last thing, but I think <laughs> this is dude. So where people, let's put it in this way. So we talked a lot about the Flashpoint movement and actually uh, what it represents and everything. But where people can find you personally and also the Flashpoint movement, I'm talking about not actually don't want to know your address, but at least some uh, <laughs> content sources are okay. And actually... Flashpoint movements means that actually you can join the movement. How people can join the movement? I was going to say, I can try and answer this. <laughs> I do believe that we now have a website, which is brand new. Super cool, though. I love the color, by the way. Is it called? Amanda, can you okay. remind me? Because I keep getting The there. address is joinflashpointmovement.com. And it's uh, movement is spelled M-V-M-N-T. So drop drop the vowels, basically. Hopefully we can put that link in the the description of this podcast so you'll be able to click it. But joinflashpointmovement.com is our website and you can follow us on Instagram at flashpointmovement.com. Yeah. So between those two two spots, you'll be able to keep up with all of our adventures and rides and races and various things we're doing to try to engage the, the greater cycling community. Amanda, and, how do I follow along on your personal journey? You can follow me at Amanda Joe Shaper on Instagram. Okay, good. Um, definitely going to stay tuned. Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I welcome uh, advice and in all all positive vibes over the next few months. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and Kathy is at Kathy Pruitt on Instagram. It's true. It's just my name, K A T H Y P R U I T T. There's a little picture of a bike cartoon. Yeah, super nice, super nice. Anyways, I, if I were in your shoes, Amanda, asking loudly that any advice is welcome can be pretty dangerous. <laughs> and I can tell you from <laughs> personal experience, everybody has a saying on this kind of situations. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. I've, as soon as we made our public announcement on Instagram, I, I definitely started to get some advice. And I'm doing air quotes for those of you can't, who can't see me. Um, that you probably wish that you didn't actually have to hear. So, but it's it's all sort of interesting, and it's a yeah. big. It's number one for me, so it's been a big learning experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is one of the other things. But also fun. I mean, it's been awesome to connect with people who, you know, who have have gone through this themselves, and you're you're reminded. You're like, oh yeah, like this is what my my body is designed to do. This I can. I can do it and then, you know, keep hopefully staying, staying active and then getting back to it afterwards and then having a, a new adventure buddy to bring along for the ride. Right. That's the best. That's the best. <laughs> You're going to have to add another seat on that tandem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to see that <laughs> new seat on the tandem. Yeah, I'm trying them. I don't put it past Scott to figure that out. Yeah. That's already been strategized. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
cool everything yeah. in the plan perfect then thanks a lot for coming along with this amazing episode i don't know do we have anything else that you want to add i think i would just say to everyone listening just try to think about what little things or big things you want to see change in the cycling community and what you can do to help make that happen and it can be leading a group ride for beginners or it can be as simple as waving to people when you're out on your road bike you know all those little things make a huge difference and so if we all think like what what can i do today to make to make cycling a little bit more welcoming that's that's where the movement really happens so hopefully everyone listening will be inspired to to make their own impact i will piggyback on what amanda's saying and also add that um you know in the past i've had people tell me well, if I'm not laughing and smiling, is that what you're saying I need to do to make cycling better? And, you know, that's definitely not. If you're having a rough day and you want to go out and pound the pavement or pound the gravel and get it out of your system, that's perfectly fine. You do you. Just try to be kind to other people when you can, where you can, however you can. Doesn't have to be every single ride. (laughs) That's a great point. You know, and and we're not saying that, um, you know, you do have to smile. Otherwise, you're off the Flashpoint team. <laughs> it's, not, it's not part of it. It's just, you know, um, I think things perpetuate each other and, and the energy is good to have around when we're keeping things positive as much as possible. And in the end, we're all very lucky to be able to have bicycles, to have the fresh air, the opportunity to ride and the body to do so. Um, so if you're ever thinking things are horrible, just remember some of those things and put your pants on and go for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> or even just go out without the pants it's gonna be great anyways if you like it yeah you know, there's no uniform kathy cancer you, man. <laughs> i don't know what your local police situation is like <laughs> they're pretty okay no no, no. the swiss situ- the swiss police is pretty well calming and easygoing they don't care about that so much the broom, broom wagon is the one advocating this flashpoint is not okay okay, okay. <laughs> i mean naked bike rides are a thing i guess we can end on that who ha- who here has done a naked bike ride any of us? I have not. So, <laughs> okay. there used to be this one in Vermont called the Naked Crit before national yeah. camps every year. And it was at night. And I remember at the time, Santa Cruz was my bike sponsor. And the owner of Santa Cruz called my dad and said, was Kathy over there doing that? My dad's like, no, she's been sitting here with her teammate watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like 16, right? Oh my God. Pointing out on embarrassing situation. That's not nice. No way. I don't think I could do okay, that. Okay, okay. Well, I can tell you actually from my side that once, I think it was one of my first, if not the first, it was the first, my first by packing trip actually at the certain point we were six of us and we were having a kind of a couple of disagreements on stuff basically we we're doing uphills on the gravel pretty rough things full of baggage and stuff so we were kind of in tough situation in order for taking the right decision so at a certain point we decided okay you know what we were in the middle of nowhere between albania and greece we said you know what in order to solve this tension we are going to go out and we're going to drink where I can tell you that actually in this area of the world, they have super amazing kind of, uh, it's called rakia. It's kind of a liquor and stuff like this. It's really good, pretty clean. I mean, it's transparent, but pretty strong. And actually, I don't know how many of those we drank. And then also other people from the village came to us offering their handmade rakia bottles. It was pretty fun. So I, just to make it short, I end up Pre- myself and also my uh, the people that were with me, people with my group, I end up pretty 
let's say, drunk probably is nice, the nicest word that I can say. Fucked up, it's the right one though. And I don't remember how I did it, but actually I remember that I went back to my tent without shoes and without socks. And my, um, and my pedals were pretty rough and pointy. So it was not completely Ouch. naked, but barefoot on the bike. I did it and also on rough pedals. <laughs> it was the day after was funny uh, for a couple of reasons. <laughs> Probably not funny, haha. <laughs> no, 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 no. Funny. Mm -mm -mm. No. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Well, I still ask. Interesting uh, problem-solving method. Yeah. Okay, we can't agree, everybody just... Yeah, no, but it was super nice because it was basically uh, out of the six, I just knew one person. That was actually my friend that brought me in this crazy adventure. So it's normal. At a certain point, you don't know each other. You need to solve a couple of situations where somebody wants to push, somebody wants to adventure, somebody wants to take it easy, somebody wants to... In order to put all the mind well together and round back, I think that having a couple of drinks is the best. And I can tell you that it was two weeks. This was at the beginning of the first week after five days. I can tell you that 10 next days was, they were perfect. I mean, amazing experience. There were actually, I don't know, birds were singing and everybody was smiling and a lot of high fives. No more tension anymore. You get fucked up and then all the trip is going to be amazing. It was great. It sounds like you guys had a bonding moment. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. We didn't, we were not kicked off from uh, the village, so it was already okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having us here. It was super perfect to have you here well, along you. and uh, listening to all the stories and having this amazing chat. And uh, I don't know, I really, 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 really hope, but I'm pretty sure that we are going to ride the bike sometime soon maybe not the soonest but sometime soon again and having another couple of uh, another couple of words another couple of chats and for sure some riding together it's it was great in switzerland here oh. last time here in uh, the grinduro it was great today it's going to be even better next time maybe you owe us a visit at grinduro california since we came all all the way to switzerland to ride with you it's that's this would be an amazing thing let me plan things around maybe it could right, be there you go. can be a nice thing actually it was one of my it's always been one of my dreams coming over to california to do the grinduro and when i knew that was we can make your dreams come yeah. true especially in northern california you get to go deep if you go to shasta you you know fly into san francisco visit santa cruz go up to Mount Shasta, look at the volcano, do the race. Yeah. Oh, wow. Such a dream. <laughs> Go drive across the Golden Gate Bridge. Great. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely yeah. great. It's one of my, as I would say, I'm putting everything in my bucket list. I will keep it there for now and let's see what when it's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. Perfect. Then uh, enjoy your rest of the morning that I actually kidnapped completely you out of the morning probably now it's almost lunchtime but it was great to talk with you and it's lunchtime it's lunchtime exactly so yeah you always lunch yeah i gotta do dinner as well here so dinner lunchtime you kind of match the things thanks a lot and i will talk to you soon thank, thank you, you so much bye amanda kathy it was great it was just great it was an amazing chat we had so much fun i loved it i really really loved it but i really really hope that yeah we can really make it actually i can really make it to come over to Guenduro, california and ride with you Damn, that's really really a great really a great dream of mine going to Guenduro, california and ride the gravel bike there and uh, probably go where everything started no yeah 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 probably yes come on and yeah tahoe and uh, all the area there is just amazing 
rate, do whatever you want into the Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify. It's pretty important if you are starting doing it, something like uh, putting a nice review on Apple Podcasts, some stars on Spotify. This will help me really a lot. So I'm really thankful if you're doing it. Remember as well that down here there is the coffee link and so you can actually keep this podcast independent with your donations. Talking about donations, by Kigi is down below as well as well as well as stand for ukraine also is there you will find a lot of nice charities and associations that are helping on one side bikey is the association in berlin who is helping women to get on the bike and that's a great political statement especially for people that are coming from afghanistan and on the other side stand for ukraine a lot of association where you can donate and they will help people in Ukraine that at the moment are living not the best time in their life. Let's put it in this way. Thanks to Komoot, komoot.com slash G and then the code Broom to get your free region and you know how cool is that. And as well, just remember that next time is going to be in two weeks and I hope that we're going to have so much fun as we did this time. And also, I really hope that this madness of war is going to end up soon. I give you, everybody, a huge hug. Stay strong in this crazy period and ride your bike. Bye.